Michael, this is all very confusing. A few weeks ago, Mike and Tino were at an industry conference where a well-respected market strategist gave a presentation discussing a recent analysis that his team had conducted. In an effort to determine the priorities and key concerns being discussed by the Federal Reserve Bank, they downloaded the meeting minutes for every meeting the Fed had had in the past two years, dropped the text into a text editor, and began searching for key terms. When they looked for terms like money supply or M2, which is a method for measuring money supply, they received zero results. Zero. However, when they searched for terms like climate change and racial equity, there were multiple hits. So the question we have is this. Has the Federal Reserve Bank's mandate changed? And if so, should we be concerned? I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today is Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino and Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. That's R-E-M-Y at onmarkets.com. And if you like the show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So to set a baseline for our conversation today, Tino, would you first explain to our listeners what the Fed's mandate has traditionally been? It's a dual mandate, meaning there's two parts to it. The first part is, the short version is control inflation. Make sure inflation is not too high. It's like the Goldilocks level inflation, not too high, not too low, and maintain that level of inflation and price controls with the second mandate being a, uh, a control over the employment situation. So how do you figure out a way to maximize employment, but at the same time, keep inflation under control? So that's primarily been their, their mandate for the past you know, several decades. So based on that, I have a hard time understanding why climate control or racial equity are terms that would even be brought up in a meeting, never mind discussed. Well, I'd say that um, there are people out there that say that the Fed is independent and they're free from you know, the, the sways of, of Congress and the executive branch of the government. Um, I would say if you believe that, then you'd also probably believe that the Supreme Court is impartial. Yeah, I mean, if they're independent, though, and, and, and you know, I don't see anything or hear anything in those mandates to say anything about climate change. I mean, how is that tied in? It doesn't, it, is this not them sort of overstepping their bounds? That's the debate, you know? I mean, you know, Mike, you and I were at that conference and, you know, they flat out said the Fed is woke. And, uh, you know, yeah. the, the room kind of got a little quiet when they said that. And uh, I didn't feel like that was a very political statement from the presenter. I felt that they were just saying, look, you know, they're, they're focusing on a lot of stuff right now that realistically, it's hard to say that it's really applicable to their major challenges right now, which you know, we all know is controlling the level of inflation. Well, if, listen, if we're fighting the highest inflation we've had in 40 years, you know, why is there nothing about money supply in their meeting minutes? You know, why is there nothing about M2 in their meeting minutes? It doesn't really make any sense. You know, and the reality is <laughs> the second the term woke comes out of your mouth, it goes right to politics. So, Tino, I'm actually kind of surprised here because you've been talking about inflation and money supply uh, seemingly nonstop, at least to us, uh, you know, since COVID hit. So I, I'm, I'm shocked that this hasn't sort of come up previously or on a previous episode. So I went back the other day and I looked to see the first time I wrote about inflation post lockdowns. It was late May of 2020. And it wasn't a, a very hard prediction. I mean, honestly, I wish I could sit there and take a victory lap. But I mean, 
the money supply was exploding. And you know, we saw more rounds of stimulus coming. And then when the Fed had the opportunity to kind of pump the brakes, this is right around when the vaccine was introduced in November, December of 2020. I, you know, I was thinking maybe early January or February, the Fed would say, okay, we're getting back, you know, we're, we're at least on a, on a path, right? And they didn't do that. They, in many ways, the government doubled down on, on the money supply. Now we're 40% larger than we were pre-lockdowns. And look, I mean, this is Econ 101. You, you can't increase the supply of a good, like money in this instance, uh, it, while demand's kind of unchanged. You can't have that situation and not have inflation. It's mathematically impossible. It's like gravity and finance. So uh, it is a little surprising that the Fed doesn't really talk about this. If you go back and you look at, because I, mean, I watch the Fed a lot, like many investors do, all of last year, they were talking about supply constraints. They were talking about how, um, you know, in, in regard to inflation, all right, not, not climate change and stuff like that. They were talking more about in regard to inflation. They were saying, okay, well, we have supply constraints because of COVID issues. People aren't working, things of that nature. And they felt that that would just alleviate itself over time. And I, I do think that there is an element to that. There's no question about it. Um, but to be blunt, I mean, it's lunacy to think that you can increase the money supply in the manner in which they did and to think that it's just going to go away and go back to normal when the supply chain issues ease. I mean, we're stuck with this inflation for a while. So to get back to the uh, the original topic, though, right, which is is the Fed sort of overstepping their bounds. You know, in the research for this, you know, Tino, you sent a couple of things out. And one of the things is this... Uh, um, bill that's being floated in front of Congress right now to add a third mandate, right? The Federal Reserve Racial Economic Equality Act. If I read right from the article, it would require our central bank to exercise all of its duties and functions in a manner that fosters the elimination of disparities across racial and ethnic groups with respect to employment, income, wealth, and access to affordable credit, which, you know, is a noble goal. I, I get that. You know, it's, it, I don't disagree that those things are are important. But you know, isn't their job sort of to make business decisions, not social decisions? Isn't their job to to get inflation under control and and to implement policies that could stabilize the market? Those types of things. You know, how does that not create different decisions that might not be the best business decisions? It's tricky. I mean, honestly, you think about. I'll extend that. I mean, how do you even implement something like that, right? I mean, if if right, how do you measure that? Uh, I don't honestly. I I wouldn't have a clue how to how to even do something like that. I will say though, you know, I, I feel like it's a little bit like what was that department that came out a couple of weeks a month ago? Oh, the disinformation governance governance board. Remember that? <laughs> um, I you know they they tried that and it, it went nowhere, right? I think that maybe this is a similar situation. I mean, if you think about uh, that bill that went through or it, it's trying to go through. I mean, it got zero Republican support, obviously. Three Democrats actually voted against it. I don't know if this is political posturing from you know, the Democrats going into to November's elections. I don't quite understand how they're supposed to do that. I mean, you could even extend that argument, Mike. I mean, I, if you're saying, how could the Fed be able to do something like this? What about the SEC? You know, I mean, We don't want to upset our regulators. They, they regulate us, but... I mean, ultimately, they're doing a lot of the same stuff right now. They're, you know, they're requiring climate change policies and in, in compliance manuals and and all that stuff. I mean, there's all. If you're making that argument, Mike, then there's a lot of called agencies right now overstepping their mandates. Well, yeah, but that doesn't make it right. I mean, you know, I, I get that it's a trend and that everybody wants to sort of, you know, I guess uh, virtue signal. I mean, that's sort of what it is, right? Oh, look, we're the SEC and we're going to tackle climate change now. 
it, it, that's what it seems like to me. I'll take the other side of this argument here for a minute, and uh, not because I necessarily agree with it per se, but you know, it's like anytime you have a bullish thesis on a stock, you also want to create a bear thesis to see you know, if you're missing something. So I'm going to do that right now and say that Fed policy, <clears throat> at least in, in, in recent history, has absolutely affected people differently. You know, let's go back to, um, oh, what was it? Uh, right in 2008-9 when uh, Ben Bernanke, the Fed chair at the time, dropped interest rates to zero, right? And they started doing those rounds of quantitative easing, which means that they go out in the bond market and they were buying a bunch of bonds. And, and their goal was to force interest rates and yields on safe securities like treasuries and bonds, things of that nature. They were forcing it down close to zero. And the idea was they were going to force investors to move into risky assets, and that was going to help propel the economy. And it worked. They did three rounds of quantitative easing. And if you own stocks, bonds, and real estate back in the call the 2010 era, you did incredibly well as long as you didn't try to trade through the, the Fed policy changes and stuff. So my point here is that if you owned risky assets, you did incredibly well. If you didn't own risky assets, you got your ass kicked. All right, because the problem is that the economy was saddled down by incredibly uh, arduous regulation. Okay, so the banks were regulated so heavily that they weren't allowed to make any money or go out of business. And when you tell the banks that you're not allowed to loan money, then it becomes very difficult for the economy to move forward because 70% of our economy is consumer spending. So if we don't have access to credit, we're not going anywhere. All right, so the economy was barely, barely growing. Okay, so again, if you don't have these financial assets and the economy is not really moving in a direction that's favorable, you're getting your ass kicked. And this idea of income inequality, this, this byproduct of this Fed policy, in many ways was very real. And you, know, you talk about that the largest component of our country didn't start feeling the benefits of that recovery, that economic recovery, for like six or seven years after they started this policy. So... When the Fed makes decisions, there are byproducts from those decisions or sometimes unattended consequences that we have to think about. But you know what I would argue with that, though, and I think that's a little bit different, is that while the result of, of that mandate may have um, created some inequality in regards to who could take advantage of it, the purpose of it was within the appropriate mandate of the Fed, right? Is it was a decision that was made in order to stabilize the economy in one way or another. And that does fall within the guidelines and the mandates of Federal Reserve Bank. I can't see how climate change, like I, I just don't see how you can argue that they're doing anything around climate change, regardless of whether you believe in it, don't believe in it. That's totally irrelevant. It's just how does making decisions based on climate change fit into their mandate in a way that makes sense? I don't think it does right now. I mean, I, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, look, I, I thought you were taking the other side of this, Tino. I'm trying. Look, guys, ultimately, okay, I'm a free market capitalist. I'm, I'm a big believer in capitalism, but it's not perfect either, right? I mean, there are, you know, there are issues with it. And at the end of the day, it almost doesn't matter what we believe or what we don't believe. I mean, if you see a thing like income inequality expand over time and dramatically impact society, there's going to be a group that rises up at some point and you know how do you how do you handle that i, I don't know but um when it comes to climate change i mean are they overreaching i think yeah in a huge way but I, at the same time I, I can't even i can't even defend this <laughs> so here's a bigger question which i posed in the um in the intro is this something to be concerned about is this something for 
our listeners for everyday people to be concerned about? Or is this just the trend right now? And, you know, we're, we're going to have a new, uh, a new administration in a handful of years and things are going to go the opposite way. I think it's something to be concerned about because you have the Fed now making decisions based on not what is the best, I'll call it business decision, but what's best for their reputation and for you know, the way people are going to see it. I'll give you a great example. A number of years ago, there was some proposed legislation that would have affected our industry. And I got together with this group. And we did this whole walk on Washington, right? And I went into uh, one of the congressman's offices and I, I made my little pitch. And he, he sits there and he says, yeah, I completely agree. I said, great. So you know, you're going to support this? And he said, oh, there's no way. Because if we support this, we'll be seen as deregulators and we can't risk that, okay? And he blatantly told me, we are going to do the wrong thing for really a, a politically motivated reason. And that's what we're facing with this kind of stuff. And yeah, I do think it's something to be worried about. That's the first rule we learn in economics, right? We're all self-interested. And that's the foundation for almost all economic analysis. Uh, I, I don't like this, frankly. It's, it's like we said, it's not due to the issues at hand. They're, you know... Yeah, everybody has their opinion on it. My problem is, is that once you kind of deviate from a mandate that's pretty freaking important in this country, uh, you tend to focus on things that are, are kind of less relevant near term. And, you know, I think about uh, what's happened in places like Europe with their own central bank and, the, and how they actually manage their central bank. I really hope we don't move in that direction over the long run. That being said, is this a near term threat? No, even if the Fed got super woke or whatever the term is these days, uh, it would be very difficult for them to move us in that direction of like a European outcome for a very long time. So it's really hard to invest around something like that. But yeah, look, the Fed's got a problem right now. Um, they are behind the ball. They have made um, a couple decent moves during, during the lockdowns. Um, I thought they actually handled them very well. But since then, they have gotten a resounding F minus in terms of how they've managed this situation. But here's the thing. The Fed is a constant D minus, a constant D minus in monetary policy. They are always making these crazy mistakes and then trying to fix them over time. So from the lens of looking at back in, in, in past policy decisions, they're pretty much being consistent right now. So before we end, actually, I have a, a, another quick question for you, because as I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk, you know, what I'm realizing is that if I'm sitting here listening to this, I feel kind of helpless, right? It's like, you know, there's a bunch of people making decisions that I have no control over that can vastly affect my life. Is there anything that our listeners can do to prepare themselves, to protect themselves, to put themselves in a position to, you know, potentially not feel the burden of the mistakes that the D minus Federal Reserve Bank consistently makes? I'd say that, that, Going back to what we talked about earlier, this is the Fed just being the Fed. I mean, there's there's always something on their agenda or their docket that they look at or a mistake that they make, and it, it affects the global financial system in some way, shape, or form. So from that lens is that this is just par for the course. Listen, I think the only thing you can do is make sure that your own personal plans, affairs are arranged you know, to the best of your ability. And to sort of, you know, just like the Fed needs, needs to sort of stay in their lane, I think, you know, people in general sort of need to stay in theirs. The negative feeling is more a feeling than an actual result, at least so far. So as it relates to the Fed overstepping their boundaries, overstepping their mandate, going woke, what's the bottom line? 
I would say that the world is not the same place it was a couple decades ago. All right, when the Fed was formed, especially I mean back in the you know long ago, a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, uh, it looks a lot different today. Obviously, risks today are, are not what they were even half a century ago. It's really hard to sit there and say, okay, we have some you know exogenous risk out there, some risk in the future that it's hard to quantify today. But uh, I don't know if it, it, it's hard to say that the answer is to put your head in the sand and ignore it. So. They may not be able to do anything about it today, but if you start paving the way for future generations, uh, if they could figure out a way to do that while not, to your point, overstepping their, their, their mandate too much, there might be some benefit that we're not going to see for a couple decades. is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.